we see that culture is really going to be the driver of mass adoption. And culture starts with the community in which brands are engaging in. And what better way to use blockchain as a technology that hopefully will work invisibly in the background to enhance that consumer journey. This is the Snarketing Podcast. For marketers by marketers, talking to marketers with just a touch of snark. Now, here are your hosts, Valerie Vespa and Matt Wurst. Fantastic. Yet another intro that you have nailed, Al. Thank you again for being our partner on this ride. I am Matt Wurst. I'm Valerie Vespa. And welcome to the Snarketing Podcast, episode three. And oh episode three, there's three is a very important number in in marketing, it does the rule of three. Every slide should have three bullets, right? You present three creative ideas and a pitch. Well, we are on episode three, and this is going to be an interesting episode because we are talking to the head of brand marketing at a very, very impactful and innovative Web3 company that is bringing brands, mainstream brands, into Web3. But we'll talk about our guest in a minute. And before we do, let's First, jump into... We call this The Scene and The Herd. And for those who have not listened to our first two episodes, shame on you. You've missed some really (laughs) quality content. Uh, But The Scene and The Herd is a section that we typically kick off with where these are things that Valerie and I are reading, hearing. We are out and about in town. We just got back from Can Lions, which was exhausting exhausting but we are now here's what's interesting as i look at the calendar we are days away from q3 is that crazy i I don't know i I, that which also means we're aging uh i mean i just i can't deal with how fast time is 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 passing me by and it's been a weird year and we've been talking about whether or not it's going to be a weird year for over a year so it's just continues to be weird do you find as we get into Q3 and you're in the, in the media space that client budgets are clear? Are they planning? Is this very last minute again in the same way that the first half of this year was very uncertain and hard to forecast? As you can imagine, being in the out-of-home space, we do have a variety of types of categories that spend in our space. Um, so we do have like a very interesting outlook on, on spend and it is from what I gather, though, I'm not, um, in, in dealing with the forecasting, I would imagine that it's nearly impossible to forecast right now. And it has been for quite some time, like even for out of home where buys typically are planned several weeks in advance at the very least, and ideally a few months in advance, there is like none of that foresight. Which is incredible because clearly creative needs to be developed. Slots and insertions need to be planned. I read recently, Kurt McDonald from Group M was saying that he expects spend to be up. But I don't, again, I'm sure there are a ton of indicators that they look at and help them understand this, but. Upfront dollars. (laughs) Well, maybe. I'm, I'm hopeful as a creative and someone who's working on the content side that this means that there will be more opportunity to develop new innovative content. 
On the flip side, there is a ton of content that's being created by so many different resources. And there will be a cream that rises to the top. And those who do it well, I think, will benefit from whether that's an increase in spend or a more efficient spend either way. But I also, there are certain things that I think we're just kind of waiting on. And forget about 2024. Now is the time, like 10 years ago on the agency side, where we'd be like, yeah, we're into 2024 planning. I haven't sniffed or heard of a whiff of 2024. Have you? I literally got one text yesterday. um, And I'm like, this never happens. Talking about 2024 planning. I think... 99% 99% of what I'm seeing is that people haven't even entirely figured out Q3. That uncertainty is is spilling into a number of different channels and formats. I was listening to a podcast recently with Lee Brown from Spotify, and this is a podcast that can be and is likely listened to by many on Spotify, yet really interesting to hear him talk about layoffs at Spotify, which shouldn't really be a surprise but also the proliferation of content and ad dollars that are increasingly going to podcasts compared to just typical music. And I'm wondering, like, are we getting into podcasting at the right time or the absolute worst time? I don't know. Well, listen, I think that this podcast is very self-serving, at least for me. I wanted to challenge myself in my personal and, you know, business world. And this is a challenge for me. I, you know, I I was telling you earlier, I'm like, I'm, I'm challenged with figuring out what what my voice is. I'm trying to be my authentic self, but it's a little bit awkward, you know, sound, all of this stuff doing, even though we're we're accustomed to Zooms and I, I just, it's, it's a challenge for me and I'm up for this challenge. So I don't necessarily think I care if only two people are listening to it, me and you, I am enjoying this process. Well, I have some good news for you and some bad news for you because I've dug into the analytics and more than two people are listening. We have some listeners. Um, I don't know who they are yet because even though uh, Spotify just introduced a really interesting analytics platform for podcasts, I don't think we're eligible for it yet because we are not in the upper echelon of either advertising revenue or listeners. But we have more than one and under a million. So I am <laughs> grateful for you sharing it with your network. I am grateful to my network for tuning in and listening. Hopefully they continue to do it, uh, continue to do that. But the feedback has been interesting. I'm going to read you actually. Let me pull this up. I'm going to read oh, you some this. feedback. This I is, didn't this, know you prepared this. This is wonderful. I didn't really prepare it until we just started talking three minutes ago about it. But here is a comment from someone that says, this is really entertaining, but Matt should talk less and Valerie should talk more. That is from at Matt's wife. Oh, so that was my wife. Okay. So she thinks that she wants to hear less of me and more of you. Um, no, she didn't, she didn't really say that. She actually hasn't listened. She is not one of our listeners. Um, she's way That's too busy right. for this. And she really is not interested in marketing as a physician. Um, okay, acceptable. So, so, so the feedback is... Uh, this is really great. I'm excited to hear and see who some of your guests are. Can you provide a preview or teaser for the types of people we can and should expect? Well, Ooh, we've now seen smart. three episodes. Yeah. Um, marketing should include teasers. And I can tell you that we will have in future episodes, um, let's just say a very senior brand manager from a popular luggage 
company. We will have a head of brand from a very popular pizza restaurant chain. Delicious. I don't know if they like to be called the chain. But um, um, so, yeah, so those are some upcoming guests. Uh, another criticism is that, Matt, you sound like you're underwater. Well, that was true in the first episode because I was recording yes. in a device with a device that was not great. Um, so hopefully this sounds better. Uh, I know. I know. Um, so, yeah, that's some of the feedback. And we will incorporate that into future episodes. Hopefully our listeners I love feedback. Enough. I love comments. Has anyone, so has anyone given you any personal anecdotes? I see your sister likes. Is that your sister who's liking all of these LinkedIn posts? Probably. If her last name is Vespa, none of them really changed it. Or they yeah. added another name. Yeah. I do have some super fans, you know, which I love you all. So thank you. And, and I got some texts from people saying that they were currently listening and then they were like actually writing down things that I said. So I knew they were actually listening. Um, And I think it's more just that they're excited that I'm doing it, which I really appreciate. Again, it's like, I thought I enjoyed the spotlight, but like it, it makes me a little nervous. I feel like I have a lot to like, a lot to live up to. (laughs) I think this is episode three. I'm already getting more comfortable. So I think, you know, I think, I I think I'm on a good path. Well, I am a fan of yours, but you know who else I'm a fan of? Our guest today. Oh, great segue. So our, our guest today is the head of brand marketing at MoonPay. And for those of you who are interested in or who have dabbled with Web3 and are getting into and onto blockchain experiences, you've likely engaged with MoonPay, whether or not you even realize it. But that's MoonPay's focus. They are an on-ramp, off-ramp technology solution for consumers. They're working with some of the biggest brands in the world to create engaging, meaningful, relevant, but low barrier to entry experiences that you and I have talked about this, I believe are gonna bring everyone onto blockchain within the next months to year. So I am excited to talk to her. I I am I am too and I, I you know one thing I noticed there were there were similarities to a prior a guest we had on Jason Schulweis. They both have great hair. They both have a major milestone in their life. He had a child, she is getting married and she's extremely smart and I'm I'm really excited for this. So anyway, let's go. In this episode of the Snarketing Podcast, we say hello to Kayla Santos, the head of brand marketing at MoonPay, a Web3 technology solution. I'm sure she's going to do a far better job of explaining it than me. The mic is all yours, Val, Matt, and Kayla. Some podcasts you listen to have elaborate and ornate guest intros, whereas others just start recording. You're not sure if they've actually been talking for an hour. And I wonder, as a marketer, if that's like this odd balance between being polished and prepared and well edited and not wanting to look like you're trying too hard. Right. There's that balance. Of course. Um, And we we have not figured it out yet because we're only in episode three, but we are excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Have you guys ever met before? Believe we met briefly at South by Southwest. Yes. Yes, we did. Yep. And um, before Matt and I took a long walk to the next event, I was just going to say, like when we were hanging out at South by, we had this great afternoon walking around town. I remember later seeing Valerie and her emphatically telling me that I had to introduce her to you, like number one on her list. 
Maybe that was the day before. Yes. I don't know. So my purpose really here is just to make sure this introduction happened and then shut well, the hell up so you, you guys can talk. Yeah, you're great at introing people. Love that about you, Matt. Okay, well, Kayla, thank you for joining us. Episode three, not by accident, talking about Web3. And I realized <laughs> as we met probably a couple years ago at that Ad Week event, you're part of a great mentorship program. I was introducing a room full of CMOs to Web3 with them staring at me like I had three heads. Yeah. You were the only one in the room nodding along like, yes, this is obvious, of course. How come <laughs> everyone doesn't understand it? Do you feel like in the last, I don't know, year or two since that, it's gotten easier when you're explaining it? Do people, like, are they catching on? I do believe it's been easier because we're taking the lingo out. And so Web3 to me, from a brand marketing perspective, means you're building a more enhanced, seamless consumer journey for your consumer. So if we pare it down that way, brand marketers, they're all about the consumer journey. How do we make it better? How do we build community? And I think Web3 is a vehicle to do all those things. Okay, so let's take a step back for those who are still getting up to speed on their Web3 lingo, because we know there are a few. What is this space that you are in? What is MoonPay? What is your purpose and what is your role there? MoonPay, we are on a mission to onboard the world into Web3, where we believe people can create, share, and own value. And so more simply stated, we are a B2B2C model. So we serve large enterprises, both Web2 and Web3, as well as everyday consumers. And so MoonPay started with on and off-ramp offerings. So to a business being able to input a way their consumer can onboard into crypto and then more of our direct consumer products, we just launched the MoonPay app, being able to top up directly in your digital wallet with MoonPay using a card. And then we took a step further to say, so NFTs or digital collectibles, how can a consumer onboard into that world more seamlessly? Now you're able to purchase NFTs without ever having to have crypto first. So with your card via MoonPay. And now we're taking a step further, right? So we are a Web3 infrastructure company by nature. So we are going to now be the end-to-end -end solution for large enterprises that are looking for creative strategy via our agency Other Life, minting infrastructure, smart contracts, et cetera. We are really hoping to be that one-stop shop so that you can do it all with MoonPay, whether you are a business or a creator or everyday consumer. What what's taken off? Like, has this been the evolution that you're speaking of? So like it started with, you know, the payment side of things and now you're getting into being sort of this end to end for businesses like or take us through like because I would imagine, you know, and everyone says like you shouldn't have these nascent Web3 one off experiences just to make headlines, yeah. but you really should be thinking about the long term. So is this kind of your long term? This is the long term. We see that culture is really going to be the driver of mass adoption. And culture starts with the community in which brands are engaging in. And what better way to use blockchain as a technology that hopefully will work invisibly in the background to enhance that consumer journey. Web3 wins when it's invisible, when the consumer is using an app um, or even their crypto wallet. And it's not like overly lingo heavy and we're not talking about blockchain. They're just being able to interconnect or through interoperability, get rewarded for their fandom in a very, very seamless, invisible environment. 
So as a marketer, though, this feels like a little bit of a paradox, right? Because you and I are somewhat kindred spirits. You're someone who made the leap from Web 2 and big brands into Web 3. And I did something similar. I don't know that it's something that a lot of people could have handled two, three years ago. But your job as a marketer is to tell the story of your product, of the ecosystem, of the opportunity. And if it really is supposed to just blend in invisibly in the background and make everyone's lives better, isn't that a, like, I don't know, is that a challenge for you? I think we're able to bring the ecosystem together in a stronger way. And so you're going to be see, seeing a lot more brand collaboration. So instead of me, let's say, waking up in the morning and opening 12 to 15 different apps, my unique identifier, digital wallet, has everything I see of my rewarded fandom for different brands all in one place. And so, yes, I think an open loop environment might be scary to brands, <laughs> but I think that being able to use your wallet as this identifier, you're now going to be able to understand consumer interests in one place and customize that journey for them, not for people like them, for you individually. And these are different challenges and opportunities than you probably faced in your previous role. So let's just trace a little bit back to how you got here. Uh, you've worked with, I mean, I'm probably wearing Under Armour somewhere on me right now, but you've worked with Under Armour, ABI. How different are the challenges in building that funnel, awareness, consideration for something newer, but also very innovative companies in and of themselves? Yeah, it's extremely different because for Budweiser and Under Armour, I was building awareness and consideration for the product itself because the brand awareness was already there. And now it is building awareness for A, MoonPay, B, why crypto, why Web3, and why now. I think that's the first point is really education. And so awareness and consideration is built best through that education for an everyday consumer who might not know why they need to use this technology. And that's really our job is to foster that through the onboarding of the world and making the barrier to entry a lot more seamless and a lot lower by offering these easy ways to onboard that is natural to what you already do, not having to figure out how to get crypto into your wallet in a in a different way other than just using your card like you alternatively would transact on an e-commerce site. Speaking of like e-com sites, how far away do you think we are from having a moon pay button to sort of click on and, and, and pay that way? Realistically. Realistically, I want to take a step back and say consumer behavior is going to change. I believe in the next year and a half to two years, I believe instead of logging in with your password and user ID, it's going to be connect or check in with your digital wallet. And so that consumer change, I believe, is sooner than we think. So if I can dumb it down for myself and summarize, instead of a single sign on with email plus then activating through, you know, pay with credit card, PayPal, Apple Pay, this is reducing it and making it even simpler where there's kind of just an already integrated seamless experience to purchase? Yep. hundred percent. So is it, I mean, you said like a year to two years away, do you think that's because 
it's still not as easy to move crypto between wallets and transfer and gas fees and all the still somewhat confusing. I know you guys have made it much, much easier, but generally as platforms are supposed to be interoperable, there's still some friction. Is that what just Mm -hmm. needs to get better? I think the challenge more so is larger brands understanding why they need this innovation. Um, And so with any innovation, it's an uncharted territory. There's a lot of testing and learning, but it's really the brands that embrace this, similar to the brands that embraced social media early on, that are going to be able to reap the rewards of early adoption in this space. I like to say Web 2 was creating for consumers and Web 3 is creating with community. And it is those brands that connect well with their community and know their consumers so well that will know if Web3 technology with blockchain working invisibly to enhance consumer experience is the right path for them. It, it, it like amazes me. I have like a personal example as of just today, like, or this weekend rather, I you know was at a very traditional retail store and they were offering points if you spent a certain amount or on certain items, it was just discounts off of items and like all of that pulled together, like, like, you know, I, I got some points, you know, I think I got some additional dollars to spend, you know, the next day if I were to come back or six months thereafter, but like all of that stuff is just so confusing. And to think of this opportunity of having all of these options just stored in one place with a reminder, just seems like just naturally I would be going to that store way more regularly than I currently do. So it's just, I don't know, sorry, I digress, but I... That, and it becomes less transactional in terms of, of course, you want to track your rewards and promotions all in one place, but more transformative and what more can I get? And so, you know, I've worked for brands that have a multitude of experiences, whether that's tickets or, you know, sponsorship and partnerships with other large brands and the consumer didn't quite benefit from all of those in a way that they could have. And I think that adopting this technology will help put those pieces together to consumer experiences. You you talked about how this is becoming a more communal experience, the ecosystem created by, with, and for the community, which I love. Uh, I find it interesting that, I think I remember you telling me this or hearing it, that you learned and got into this space, not only through the ABI innovation that they were early adopters through beer.eth, but just like on Clubhouse. Is that, yep. is that where, That's I, I, me too. So now that Clubhouse is basically no longer a thing, where, how, like, how are you getting the word out to educate brands about just this potential if the community is so still spread out across so many different channels, platforms, and networks. Yeah, I think it's a lot of the in-person connections that we've been making. Um, And also naturally being a brand marketer, having so many other connections with fellow brand marketers, whether that was through Adweek or brand innovators. And then, you know, our executives have their own connections as well um, in adjacent spaces. And so that to me has been the strongest way of if we meet really good people that want to be on this journey with us, we're able to adopt. I believe Angelique Vendette from Allo has been a great experience, um, 
example of that for us. Um, really embracing Web3 technology and innovation in general, being a trailblazer doing it because she and they know their consumer so, so well. She knows that with conviction, these new technologies, a few test and learn moments, these new technologies are going to be able to connect with her consumer in a new way. And so I think it's brands like that, that we have, you know, met the humans behind that are really embracing this because they have an innovative mindset. They have this um, undueling desire to be consumer centric. And so when we meet people like that, that we share these values with, those are the people that we want to be in business with to drive brand equity through Web3. So this wouldn't be a, a, a snarky marketing conversation if I didn't ask the question that I'm sure some people are thinking about, which is, at what point does the experimentation and innovation need to actually prove out, right? Does there need mm -hmm. to be some sort of brand lift or increased sales metric that CMO can go back to the board or the brand lead can go back to the CMO and say, look, it's been a few months, it's been a year, we're actually doing it, it's working. Like, are we starting to get some of those proof points that validate this? Or is that still part of what we're working through in the next year or so? Yeah, as we all know, brand building is a very long-term um, activity and achievement. And so because we have been building brand through these experiences, I would say for around two years, we're now going to be able to measure what that long, long tail effect looks like. Um, and so I don't think that it's cut and dry yet, but I do believe brand building is that number one KPI, especially brand perception and consideration of how CMOs can really make the case for this. The Snarketing Podcast is sponsored in part by Under Armour. Summer heat slowing you down? Get all the gear you need to stay cool. Visit underarmor.com for free shipping on all orders over $99. And now, back to the show. As brand marketers who either move around or take on new challenges and understand that there are some things that are consistent, right? You need to know who your audience is. You need to know where they are, what they're talking about, what your competition is doing. Brands have some things that they have in common with each other, marketers that they talk about. But there are certain things that are slightly different from brand to brand. Do you as MoonPay is part of your remit, helping those marketers understand where the business opportunities are for them individually with Web3 and using MoonPay? Yeah, it all goes back to what the consumer problem is. So what is the consumer problem they're trying to solve that happens to be solved with this technology? So if you think about marketing mix in general, you're always trying to solve a consumer problem and then the strategy, you then understand what's the tactic to reach that strategy. So I think the fundamentals stay the same. It's just how you're doing it. You know, the, um, the hype cycle that follows new innovation and fun, exciting opportunities that get a lot of headlines ultimately do die down. And it allows people like us to focus on the actual practical, pragmatic applications. I think the hype cycle with crypto and blockchain, which are different concepts, 
as well as metaverse augmented reality have been somewhat usurped by even newer opportunities like artificial intelligence or what I call augmented intelligence, because it's just making me slightly smarter, hopefully. But do you feel like as those technology platform solutions, software get better, it will make what you are doing better as well? Like, do these things work together? Because in some ways, it seems like it just kind of crushed the hype around it and the exposure around it, but it probably shouldn't have, right? I do believe they work well together and there's an interesting narrative right now where it's almost like either or AI or blockchain when really they're going to work super strong together, especially for this individualized content that I've spoke about in the past of content that is for you. If you look in social media, it's content for people like you. It's not specifically made for you. And so that's where blockchain data plus AI content creation can come in a very powerful full circle for us. If you look at the creative marketing landscape over the last 50, 100 years, there's that like triangle of speed, quality, and cost. And the challenge of speed and agility is always real, right? You want to bring new products to market as quickly as possible. You want brands to be able to communicate as quickly as possible, but as cheaply as possible. Have has blockchain almost solved for that? Like it can do all three, right? In theory, yes. Um, I think it's it's your entire marketing mix that is going to drive speed, quality, and cost. Blockchain is a piece of it. I don't know that it's the full portion of why you can drive those three things together, but it can certainly enhance that speed, quality, and cost. There are many exciting trends and bright, shiny objects that pop up all the time. Are there any obvious trends that everyone's thinking about talking about that you find you're kind of lukewarm about? Yeah, this a little bit of a hot take. I feel like when building a metaverse or a brand going into a metaverse um, was a bright, shiny object and still is, everyone was trying to figure out how do we build in a metaverse? And while I believe the metaverse is extremely important, we need to make sure that it is authentic to your consumer. And so I believe the best use case for metaverse is digital identity in the form of digital fashion. As we know, Gen Alpha, 65% of them actually associate with their digital identity more than their physical identity. And that's a really powerful stat. Can you say it again? So, Just because I think people might want to rewind it, but I think we need to say it again. 65% of Gen Alpha associates with their digital identity more than their physical identity. And that is where the metaverse is extremely powerful, especially when it comes to digital fashion, because you can curate your own looks. You can be who you want in the metaverse, as opposed to who you are in real life. That might look different for some people. And so it's this creative outlook, output where you can be who you want to. And I believe the best use case for Metaverse is for those fashion brands, apparel brands that are looking to engage with this younger consumer. Which is fascinating because there's almost a bifurcated set of data when you're looking at who the consumer is, because it's who they are and what they do in certain environments and who they want to be or think they could be or should be in a different set of environments. 
And marketers are going to have to get smart about how they target and connect and communicate with those audiences. Is that a positive thing or is that a negative thing or is it just whoever does it right will win type of thing? I believe it's a positive thing because we're also in blockchain, we're also looking into how do we verify people are humans through blockchain technology. So proof of human. And so I think that becomes really important because you can market to that digital audience and physical audience if you understand that they, A, are humans, not bots, and B, what their individualized preferences based on the their blockchain data and interests. So this is an interesting point of where I think personally this space is going at a macro level, which is we're, we're transitioning from like loyalty now and, and gamification and membership, which is important. But the step beyond where we started with affinity, we're going through loyalty and we're getting to identity. There is this verification, authentication paradigm that is going to change the way all of us talk about this. Is there an industry that you think is ripe to lead that will do it first, like fandom with sports or music or culture? You talked about fashion, but are they best equipped to lead or is it something else in terms of actual identity and authenticity of humanity? From a digital identity metaverse perspective, fashion. From a verified perspective, music in terms of fandom. And so. I think the Taylor Swift example is perfect. If you partnered with a streaming platform and understood how many hours, how many years you've been fans of a music artist, and then that becomes the cue for buying tickets through verified fandom, then you can make sure your truest fans are at your concerts and, and not getting bought out by bots that are not real humans. And so that's where verified fandom proof of human is going to be extremely influential in our, the way we consume in the future. So again, in your role as head of brand marketing at MoonPay, do you feel like there are viable strategies in partnership with whether it's celebrity or influencers or whoever they may be to help tell that story, to help bring their fans with them? Or is that a, a two-stage strategy where first you have to get the marketers and then the influencers to buy in? I think it's two stage. There's a lot of elements that need to happen for that interoperability to take place between the music artist, between the marketer of a brand, and then between those that are either streaming music or selling tickets. There's about three to four parties there that would need to be involved. And so I don't think we're that far from it, but it's been about collaboration and working together to make these realities happen. So you're, you tell me you do not have Taylor Swift's number to just call her up and be like, can we partner on this to make it happen? Unfortunately not. But if someone wants to put me in touch, I'd be more than happy to talk with Taylor Swift. <laughs> Great call to action. <laughs> oh, so as you are hitting the road, as you travel this network, the circuit of events that we all see each other on and um, connect around. Uh, 
do you still feel like you have a one-to-one mission with every single person or have you figured out the types of marketers, the types of brands who are like probably going to be more open-minded to what it is that you're educating and purveying? Yes. It's been marketers that marketers and brands that have a propensity for innovation are really the sweet spot. Um, And those in the past that we have seen, instead of rolling out campaigns for headlines, have rolled out programs that are longer term and less short lasting. And so that really becomes the profile that we look for in the brands that we work with. Actually, it it sounds like Al, our announcer, um, has a question that he wanted to ask. So Kayla, what would you be doing if you weren't marketing for MoonPay? Are there any side interests or hobbies that could have led to an alternative career route? Yes. I am very digitally led. My life is probably 90% digital. And so I do make sure to have an outlet that is more physically led. And that for me is furniture refurbishing. I would love in my like second life to have a furniture furnishing store, um, bringing, you know, some solid gems back to life in a beautiful way in a beautiful nature. I've also got into using a DIY machine called a Cricut. And, you know, that, that to me could be a side hobby building an Etsy shop. So I think that's, that comes because my nature of my career is digital. I'm on social media all the time. I'm on my phone all the time. What is this like mindful outlet that is in the physical world? Wait, what does this cricket do? Everything. So I am getting, I'm getting married in three months and I'm doing all of our signage for the wedding with my cricket. So most of the things you see on Etsy, you can do with a cricket, which it's just an amazing creative outlet for me. Oh, I get to look that up. Well, congratulations on your upcoming nuptials. Do you find that, your personal and professional skills in terms of the way what you do for a living is bleeding into the way you are planning your wedding. I always find this fascinating to see whether it's very similar or you've totally separated the way you're approaching it. It's pretty similar. I would say our wedding is probably my biggest project to date in terms of a creative brief. And so bringing the creative brief to life in the real world is very much so like I do on a regular day basis in my career. Yeah. So it's going to be fantastic. Or, you know what? The good news is if the audience isn't feeling it, screw them. It's your wedding. It's very rare when the person who's writing the brief is really the most important audience as well, because as long as you have fun. So no, but that way it may be a little bit different. So. Yes, we see it. Obviously we're excited to, tie the knot and get married but we also are bringing in a band that we love um from going to dewey beach the beach bars there and so we see as a concert for our friends that we're bringing amazing open bar hopefully too and the most important (laughs) question obviously kayla for those who not that you're going to be presumptuous but for those who might want to give you a wedding gift are you going to be sharing (laughs) your eth address in your invitation with your guests. No, that's a great idea. I haven't thought about that, but I have thought about having a flow code 
on some signs around the wedding for people to have a digital favor because you look at all of the TikTok and Instagram reels of things that are not in anymore for weddings, it's favors, but they don't say digital favors are out. And I think that's the next revolution of favors being digital favors that say you are here at this event and this one so happens to be my wedding. Well, look, that was that was I one of the know. first use cases for NFTs, right? The PO apps were, you know, proof of participation, proof of a purchase. In this case, it's going to be proof of party, right? So they're going to be exactly. able to have like a scrapbook at some point in some wallet somewhere of all of the events that they went to, whether they were Taylor Swift concerts or Kayla's wedding. Uh, you have to get creative with the QR code and the branding, but it sounds like you're on top of this already. So I'm, yes, I'm not going to, I'm not going to weigh in with my feedback or suggestions. <laughs> that is my uh, number one use case I want to bring to life. I think the uh, proof of attendance would also be great for people like me who love traveling. So say you land in a country and this is your first time at a country, scan a code at the airport and you have a whole array of tokens in your wallet that show the country this, this digital passport idea i've been trying to sell to brands for three years whether it's formula Sweet. one how do we do this let's do it <laughs> coming to a moon pay passport near you yeah i mean i i think about the fact <laughs> that most countries don't even stamp your actual passport anymore and that was one of my favorite things yeah, it was actually like proof of flight proof of landing yeah. Because um, then you, you look through that. It's very tangible. You have a memory of every single stamp of what your experience was at the, in that country. Um, it becomes interesting if that is a soul bound versus something that you could trade on the secondary market. Like if I've never been to Morocco, but I want to tell someone that I've been there, can I buy your stamp off of you? I don't know. I don't think it works that uh, way. Okay. There's still some, still some bugs to work out <laughs> in this idea, but I think we can regroup on it um, offline. In one year from now, or even three years from now, when you come back for the anniversary of our 500th episode of this podcast, what will you look back on and say, that was a huge win or a, a success? I've always been an advocate for underrepresented voices and communities. And so in Web3 specifically, I will see it successful if we're able to onboard more women and people of color into Web3 because it really is this point in time where we can build that future if we all continue to advocate for that future. Are we ready for a lightning round? Our lightning round, which is called... This is gone in 60 seconds. So we're going to put 60 seconds on the imaginary clock. If you're... Oh boy. Yep. But no pressure. And we will start it now. Dream brand with whom you'd love to collaborate. Elf Beauty. I love how they do the unexpected. That Chipotle burrito um, by Beauty Palette. Amazing. Okay. I think I can make an intro at some point. Question number two. What celebrity do you most often get told that you look like? I don't usually get this, but I was on set and met Lindsay Vaughn for the first time. And she looked at me and said, you look like my ski competitor, Sophia Gogia. And I was like, I hope that's a good thing. And they're, they're very good friends. So I thought that was a good interaction with Lindsay Vaughn for the first time. Okay, perfect. We're going to have to make a note of that and Google what she looks like, but we'll do that after. Question number three, 
Do you like to talk to your seat neighbors on airplanes, knowing that you travel and go to these events? Or do you just kind of want to be left alone? If they talk to me first, I will talk to them the whole time. But being on an airplane is my time to sleep, and I'm a professional airplane sleeper. Wow. Then you have to teach me because I have never slept on an airplane. Ever. Not once. (laughs) Question four. When they make a movie about your life, we talked about some music. What would be the opening song on that soundtrack? Brave by Sarah Bareilles, because she says, I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say and let the words fall out, because I always strive to say what I want to say, because I can be an advocate for someone else who might not be brave or have the courage to say what's on their mind. Wow, that was was actually amazing. And Al, I'm going to ask you to pause this. Just play the song right now. Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay. Question. <laughs> Next question. Favorite meme coin. Oh, this is not financial advice. Doge. Cause it was my first foray into meme coins about three years. Can I ago. ask you what you bought it at? Oh, like. Like under two cents, three cents. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. And we'll check as of when this goes live, what it's trading at. But my guess is you've probably done well and then terrible and then well and then terrible. Welcome to Meme Coins. <laughs> That's actually Last question before we let you go. Which Web3 technology do you think, like company, platform, whoever, however you want to answer this, which Web3 company or technology is poised to be the first billion-dollar unicorn? Whoever can marry AI and blockchain. Okay. So that is a challenge for someone out there who might be listening to think long, think hard about how to make this happen. But what you've done in making happen, Kayla, is given us a ton of information, some education around this space, but you've done it with a smile. You've done it with cheer and charm. And I personally feel a little bit better about where we're headed than I did three years ago thanks to you joining and welcoming yourself into Web3. So appreciate your time. Thank you, Kayla. I appreciate you having me all. Um, I also am an open resource to marketers that are looking to learn more about Web3. So feel free to reach out, connect on LinkedIn, probably the best source for me to connect with fellow marketers and always encourage a conversation. You never know where it will go. But thank you for having me, Val and Matt. It's been a pleasure. Good luck with your wedding plans. Thank you. Wow, that was something. I learned more about crypto and marketing than I ever thought was possible. Which is saying a lot considering I'm an artificial intelligence bot. Okay, so thanks to Kayla Santos and you, our listener, for tuning in. See you next time on the Snarketing Podcast.